All right, we're going to hear from Ron Rivera coming up in a little while. He's meeting with the media. Uh, The boys have had like 15 days off in a row. All right, maybe that's a stretch. Again, if they come out flat on Sunday, if they look sloppy on Sunday, just saying, you know, just saying. And they'll scream about how great they looked in practice and what, and nobody can tell. You know, nobody can tell. We'll see. A lot of days off in a row. Now, that can be, again, a good thing because you recharge the batteries mentally, physically, emotionally. You give the guys one last little, you know, break. I mean, of course, they have six months off a year to do that, but neither here nor there. If they come out really sloppy on Sunday – that's going to be a storyline. It just is. Or it should be. Not saying that that's specifically the reason. You know, every situation is different, but that might be a reason. Because, you know, when you get off the bicycle, it sometimes it takes you a little time to get the rust off. And again, they'll have three days of practice. But I guess they could have, in years past... We've always had Labor Day practices. I don't remember what Ron did last year. I can't remember. But I know when I was on the beat and having to be out there, we never had a Labor Day off, ever. And some of those teams won, and some of those teams lost, and some of those teams won their season opener, and some of those teams lost their you know. So, I mean, it's hard to track and connect the dots. Just saying. Just saying. They had a lot of days off. So they better be fresh and bushy-eyed-tailed and whatever that statement is uh, and ready to kick some ass. I, I don't know if I agree with Cliff uh, score 35 points a game. Now, Arizona doesn't have a lot on defense. They just don't. They don't have a very good pass rush. Uh, they don't have, uh, you know, outside of Buda Baker, they don't have a great secondary. I mean, they just don't have a lot. They just do not have a lot. I mean, people talk about how bad their offense is. Let me tell you something. Their pass rush is pretty damn bad. They lost that Zach Allen kid who we're going to see next next week in Denver. Obviously, J.J. Watt retired. They lost um, uh, um, not Buddy Murphy. That's the wrestler. Um, God, wrote him down. Let me look here. Trusty notes. Uh, they lost. Um, who is it? Uh, Byron Murphy, not Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy, the wrestler. Byron Murphy, the corner, who's now with Minnesota. So they lost a bunch of guys. Didn't they just get rid of Isaiah Simmons, too, who was a top 10 pick for them, who uh, did not work out? I mean, again, Buda Baker is the guy that you have to watch out for. They really have very little outside of Buda Baker, honestly. So maybe they should score 35 points. I mean, it never seems to work out that way. That's what I'm saying. If they're flat and choppy and all sloppy and all that, you can maybe point a finger at having too much time off and being, you know, again, soft and player friendly instead of intense and a little bit of a hard ass. You know, I wonder what Eric Bieniemy would do in this spot. Would he give them five days off? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, We will bring you again a little portion of Ron Rivera coming up. But first, let's get back to the phones on the Ace Law listener lines, 301-230-0980. Let's get to Clyde Forestville first up, and then we'll get to Brandon and Clearwater. What up, Clyde? How are you? Hey, I'm Chris. How you doing, man? All right, Clyde. What's going on? I just want to, you know, 
Uh, I know a feeling is not a fact, but the fact is I do feel. And this football team reminds me of what it was the eighty eighty one team when they had lost uh, one five straight at the end of the season, and next year they won the Super Bowl. I know it was a strike year, but they won the Super Bowl. And from what I seen in the team last year, they looked pretty good. And I think that they can compete. And uh, the name for the Redskins should be the Washington Law. The who? Law. L-A-W, you know, the laws are made here. Oh, the law? Oh. And and believe me, when we finish with you, we're going to arrest you. That's how bad (laughs) we are. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Claude. I appreciate it. When we're finished with you, we're going to arrest you. <laughs> oh, God, you people crack me up. Uh, let's get to uh, Brandon in Clearwater on the Odyssey app. Brandon, thanks for hanging in there. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good, dude. I had so much like I was ready to say, and then Clyde come and found a one name worse than Commanders you could think of. <laughs> but no, nah, man, I'm super excited about the season. This is the first year I'm down here around all these Buccaneer fans, and I'm mm-hmm. actually happier about a season than they are, man. We ain't got Baker going out for us. So, you, you know, you know that, that is a good point. I mean, first of all, I, I mean, I, I will say this. I think Baker, I think Baker gets a lot of crap. I think Baker, when he's healthy, he does. has he does. been has been better than maybe his reputation. The problem is, is a he's never healthy, and b now he's bounced around to three different teams, and his offensive line, I mean, outside of Tristan Wirfs, is going to be awful uh, in Tampa. And I, I I just don't know how he stays healthy. I mean, he's got some weapons in Godwin and Evans, you know, but I just don't yeah, know how he stays healthy. Yeah, you can just throw the ball up to Evans, and you're going to yeah. do okay. Yeah. I mean, See, people crap there, all over but... the commander's offensive line. I'm not telling you it's good, but, I mean, people forget that if Cosme and if Sadiq Charles can stay on the field, that's that's two upgrades at left guard and right guard. And, again, it, it's a huge if. I think Nick Gates, even unfortunately, is, is you know, for Chase Roulier, is an upgrade over Chase Roulier because Chase Roulier just simply could not stay on the field. So I think they've actually, you know, in my warped way of thinking, I think they've upgraded in four areas on their offensive line. The problem is, is if they can't stay on the field, it doesn't matter who you have. Well, the enemy wasn't working with world beaters on his offensive line last year. That's either. true. That's I mean, true. You know, I mean, I know Sam Howell ain't Patrick Mahomes, but still. That's true. But one of the one of those guys one of the one of those guys is over here though that that's the problem you know Andrew Andrew Wiley is over here yeah yeah the one that gave up the most sacks and hurries on that line yeah yeah we although although I will say this again for all of the PF and look he has not had a good camp he has not had a good preseason he did not have a good regular season again I and I remember watching and thinking the reason why I thought the Eagles would win the Super Bowl hell the reason why I thought Cincinnati would win the AFC championship was because I thought Wiley would get exposed on the right side he allowed no sacks and only five pressures in three playoff games so I mean again now that's PFF saying that but I mean your eyes kind of tell you that as well and maybe Mahomes didn't move as much to his side because of the bum ankle but the point being is he was good when they had to have him be good. So hopefully you get some part of that up here. Yeah, nah, I, I hear you, dude. I'm super. I'm stoked about the season. You know, obviously no Snyder, but we're go- I think the big difference we got a quarterback that may be an actual competent quarterback, not one-legged Alex Smith or 
running out Carson Wentz, who the whole world knew what that was going to be. Mm-hmm. That's why people like the good doc thought have this mythos about uh, Taylor Heineke, mm-hmm. like he was, because he did look borderline competent running out there when you compare him to everything else we'd ran out for the last three years. Well, that is true. I, that I is we true. may have somebody out there now, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah, But, yeah, Bruce, I mean, looking forward to a good talking to you, dude. Take care. All right, man. I appreciate you. Good to hear from you down in Clearwater. Uh, like I said, I was just – oh, hey, hey, wait, Brad, are you still there? Yeah, dude. Yep. Yeah. Hey, have you ever heard of uh, Cody's Roadhouse Tavern or whatever it is um, up in Spring Hill? I think yeah. it's a little bit of a chain. Well, it's a chain. I got one. I live uh, on East Bay right near the okay. Indian Rocks Beach. There's one about a – a stone's throw from me. All right, so I haven't yeah, spent yeah, a lot got, of time they got, down. They got in, the burgers. Dude. Yeah, I, I haven't spent a lot of time down in Clearwater, but man, when you go there, right now, now I like to eat, but I don't eat as much as I used to, right? So last week I was telling the story because I was down there for my mom's funeral in Spring Hill, right? And we got uh, this one-pound burger, right? And and it was two eight-ounce patties, right, with bacon and like four or five slices of cheese and a colossal onion ring on a big old bun with lettuce and tomato and pickle and onion and all that stuff for 16 bucks. McDonald's charged 12 for theirs now. That ain't bad. Exactly. It was pretty good damn value. It took me two and a half days to eat it with my kid. I appreciate you, man. Good to hear from you. Uh, We'll uh, we'll talk again uh, soon. We love everybody listening on the Odyssey app. Of course, you can listen on the Team 980 on the radio here in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, anywhere and everywhere around the world on the Odyssey app. All right, coming up next, Ron Rivera. He's meeting with the medium. We'll play back some of that for you. We still have three up, three down. Little look at, ugh. Mm. Let's see. How do we say this nicely? Um, an absolutely putrid weekend for the Nationals. It's kind of the nicest way I can say it. They've still gotten over 60 wins, though. They did. So putrid weekend. They've done their deed. Yep. I don't, well, I, I don't want them to lose every game. But right now, being that I am no longer in the danger zone, uh, I do not have to eat outfield grass. Makes me happy. I do want them to get to 72 wins, though, because I think that, that was, was my, your number. my prediction. Yeah. And what are they, 60? I think they have 62 or 63 right now, and obviously have hit the skids here, uh, playing some really bad fundamental baseball and some really awful uh, starting pitching. They are but, currently 62 and 76. Okay, okay, sixty. so they're at 62. So I need them to get, what, 10, 10 more, more wins? wins. <sighs> it's going to be hard to do. It's going to be tight. We're going to come down to the wire. Their schedule is definitely a little bit tougher. Two winnable games, though, against the Mets, even though Alonzo is hot. As we know, the Mets absolutely make you want to barf. So very winnable games the next two days. And then uh, another series of days off. I I have no idea how they make the baseball schedule. I got more days off than my buddy Kevin Sheehan. On the Team 980, always love free on the NFC. Oh, yeah, we continue our tribute to the great Jimmy Buffett right here on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. All right, so before we hear from Ron Rivera, who I'm guessing, I have not heard it, I have not been on Twitter, is going to tell us very little, if nothing, about the injuries. Specifically... 
to Terry McLaurin and Chase Young. But people are, again, kind of dismissing the plantar fasciitis concerns about Jonathan Allen. And obviously, they put a bunch of guys on IR, which we all know about now. And you're not going to get updates on those guys right away. Phil Mathis and uh, F.A. Obata. But there is a big injury for Thursday night. My goodness. Mm. If Thursday night football is like the debut of the NFL season, of course, as we know, and a chance for the Kansas City Chiefs to kind of, you know, show that they're still the champs and you got to be knocked off and all roads go to Kansas City and Arrowhead and all that stuff, even without the enemy, right, who they seemingly were like, here, just go, just go. They are taking on the upstart Detroit Lions, right, who everybody thinks is going to win the NFC North. Hell, a lot of people have them winning the NFC. I'm not personally as sold on the Lions as everyone else, but uh, we can get into that on Thursday. Game on 106.7, Odyssey app, by Westwood 1. Jason Kelsey might not play. Uh, Wait a second. Did I just do what I... Travis Kelsey. I always hate when I do that. Travis Kelsey might not play. Jason Kelsey, his brother, back for one more year. Got a new documentary coming out. Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in today's practice for the Chiefs. Andy Reid says, quote, we'll just see how he does going forward in the most innocuous, ridiculous quote of all time. And everybody's going, well, we'll just see how he's going forward. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Andy Reid spells doom. Uh, I mean, listen, what is he supposed to say? I mean, it just happened, right? So he's getting his knee checked, uh, medical update. But the problem is, is today's the last practice. They have a walkthrough tomorrow, right? Because it's already Tuesday. They have a walkthrough day before the game. If it tightens up, if it stiffens up, if it's worse than just a hyperextension, who knows? So, obviously, that is a major now talking point in addition to no Chris Jones because he ain't going to play. Uh, he hadn't been with the team all, all summer uh, in a contract holdout. So, I mean, is it more than possible that the Lions go in there and continue? You know, remember, they don't have Jamison Williams. They lost their top running back. I, I understand they drafted Jameer Gibbs. They lost 18 touchdowns along with Jamison Williams. You know, they traded T.J. Hawkinson at the trade deadline last year. So, you know, the Lions are not exactly, like, um, fully loaded either. But a lot of people love the Lions. And I think a lot of people are going to pop on the Lions more uh, in terms of the betting industry with this Travis Kelsey news. All right, Ron Rivera meeting with the media just moments ago over at Command Land uh, in Ashburn. Let's hear what the head coach had to say. Just curious if there's any update at all on Chase, if he's seen the doctor or anything like that. Yeah, well, tomorrow we'll have the uh, first medical report for you guys, and you guys will, everybody will know where we are with uh, with our players. Okay. And then, how do you know, like, you've been around this game a long time, and you've seen teams that go on to have good years and all that. Uh, taking aside injuries, 
What things do you look for like in the summertime to see like this team, I think, could do something? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with growth and, and development of, of key positions. Obviously, the quarterback is always you know, the, the first and foremost. But then secondly, I think a little bit has to do with having the, the right group of, of offensive linemen, defensive linemen that seem to be coming together. Um, and then when you play in the preseason games and, and if you do practice against the, the, uh, somebody for a couple times, you're looking for consistency of performance. More so than anything else, you know they they get on the they, they get up there and they do the same thing. They have success, um, you know, and and I think that's one of the things that that we were working towards this year is to see that consistency. Um, and then you know the 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 confidence in in terms of the things that they're doing. Uh, are they playing fast? Are they reacting quickly? Um, and and we seem to be doing some of those things. So it, it it's been kind of exciting, but but you never know. And that's why you play on Sunday to find out. Right. And then you have a lot of changes in offense. When you're looking at it, just to get, do you, how do you gauge, like, when could this come together? Like, do you, you know, do, again, same thing, signs that you might see that it could, could start faster or may need a little bit more time? Well, I think you'll see it if we're consistent. You know, if, if you're counting on explosive plays all the time, you know, you're, you're going to live and die with them most certainly. But if you're consistent, you, you work towards it and you can, you know, point to the fact that, oh, you know, we get the ball, you know, we're, we're not going three and out, three and out, three and out. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're having extended drives. We're, we're, we're able to flip the field position and score. You know, defensively, it's about, you know, are, are you able to, to hold the opponent back? Are you, you able to get out on three, three and outs? Are you successful, you know, with, with certain things? Um, I think those are the things that you look for. Um, Ron, this is obviously not your first uh, rodeo with getting ready for a week one opponent, including ones that have had changes. This one feels as though it's got more than usual. A new coach still to this minute don't even know who the quarterback will be. What's the is this extra? I don't say challenging as if you can't handle, but is this just extra different? Than it is. Been? I mean, it, it it's you know, well this is the thirteenth time time I've gone through it, and you know when you you open up with a a, a new group, you, there is a lot of unknowns, and 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 again, like you said, they're exacerbating it by not necessarily telling you who who their quarterback's going to be, um, and and I wouldn't either. Uh, but I think the big thing more than anything else is you you just kind of have to assume. I mean, part of it is you look at the background of where these coaches are from, who, they, who they've who they coached for in the past. Then you try to draw some correlations to that. Um, and then you, you go back and you look at, you know, what they did at some of their previous stops. And so, you know, you pay attention to those things. Um, and some of it will lead you in the right direction. Some of it, there's nothing there. Um, you guys announced some coaching uh, promotions today uh, I presume that was in part with new ownership finally yes uh, with regards to, is that any kind of a sign toward where things may be heading with player contracts or extensions or things like that well not necessarily other than just the fact that uh, we're, we're continuing to work with them you know we're, we're um, looking at all the different things that are involved in, in running the organization and the team and you know this has only been five weeks I mean there's a lot of things that they want to do and they want to make sure you know they're, that they're being done the right way and so there is a learning curve that, that goes with all this um, and, you know, there are some things that, that are a little more urgent than others. But as we, you know, start and continue to go forward, you know, these are all the things that we'll continue to work out with them. Um, you know, the, the, the new ownership group has been terrific. They really have. You know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations, and we continue to have conversations on a lot of those topics. Along those same lines, with Chase and Montez, is it – I don't want to frame it as a competition. I'm just failing to – find a better word, but do you need to see how those two do individually throughout the season before you figure out a longer-term future for each? 
Well, I think for for the team as a whole, we have to see how everything happens and how everything does go before you can really make decisions on a lot of other uh, things like that. I mean, again, it really is about how we do and how, how well everybody's playing. And with Sam Howell, did he make it clear to you and the rest of the staff up front that he wants to be coached hard, that he wants you guys to be you know, hypercritical about what you see and how he can get better? Um, I would say Sam wants to be coached. You know, he, wants, he wants to be critiqued. Um, and like any other player, he, you know, the occasional pat on the back is always a good thing. I mean, he, he wants, he'll take it as it comes. And, and that's one of the things I think that has been really great about him and about a lot of his teammates, most of his teammates, all of his teammates for that matter, that you know, they appreciated being pushed, they appreciated being critiqued, they appreciated being praised. And, and, and you know, it, it goes back to, you know, if, if you tell people what they need to hear and not what they want to hear, you're better off. And I think that's what our guys have really appreciated this year. Is it more important this year than in years past to win in week one because new ownership, you guys are heavy favorites, some of the other factors? No, it, it, it's always important. There's, it doesn't matter. The opener is always important. Um, for the simple reason, one of the things that John Madden told me is, you win the first one, you're, you're always in the plus. If you lose the first one, you're behind. And so it's always important. And has Josh talked to you about expectations for this year in, in terms of what, I don't know exactly like what that definition would be, but what have you guys talked about in terms of? We talked about the greatest expectation is to win. Just like it is every, every year. It's about winning. We talked and you talked at length about an intense training camp, you know, players responding to the challenge. Then you get this four-day Labor Day break, which is relatively new in the NFL calendar. Is it weird to kind of ramp that back up? How do you go about bringing that intensity back to what it was a week, two weeks ago? Well, I think it, it is part of, 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 of what's been going on the last few years in the NFL. Um, a lot of this has to do with giving the players a chance to get a little reset, take a little bit of a break. You know, we asked our guys, we, we stressed to our guys about, you know, staying in shape while you're gone, you know, not just laying around for four straight days, but getting something done and getting something accomplished. Uh, we had pretty good turnout Wednesday, Saturday, excuse me, Friday, Saturday, and Monday, um, which was really good to see, to walk in and see a, a nice crowd of guys that were still here. Um, most of the guys I talked to were around, and, and most of them I did see on, on, on Friday, Saturday, and, and, and Monday, so it was kind of cool. Um, I think these guys understand you know, what, what the opportunity is that we have in front of us and, and, and what the circumstances are in terms of you know, you, you, your head's above water. You, you, you know, your focus now really is just about playing football. We're, we're, we're not being asked about other things that are interesting. We're, we're really going to be asked about what's important, and that's what these guys do, and that's getting on the football field, playing to the best of their abilities. I think the defensive line would be considered probably the strength of this unit. Considering two defensive linemen in the last week going on IR, injury questions lingering with Chase, how do you feel about your D-line group now? Still feel good about them. Really do. I mean, uh, the, the two guys that went on IR are two guys that we're going to count on eventually at some point because uh, they're on short-term IR uh, to help us. Um, but we're deep there. We kept, a, we kept a, and I know a bunch of people questioned how many guys we kept, but there was a reason why we had to do that. Um, because of the way the rules are, you've, you've got to keep the guys on your roster, and then you put them on IR, and then you can move guys around, which is what we were able to do. So we still feel good. We like our, we like our front-line guys and the guys that are in the backup position. So we feel pretty comfortable about that.
All right, that is Ron Rivera earlier this hour in Ashburn in command land talking to the media. First time that uh, the media has had any opportunity and any media availability since last Thursday. And as you just heard him kind of mention, you know, there were players coming into the building on Friday, Saturday, Monday. So I guess the way Ron was saying it, I, I, I don't know for sure. Almost like he wasn't there on Sunday, which is fine. Everybody needs a day off. Um but that players were streaming in Friday, Saturday, and Monday. So, you know, really, and again, today is considered, at least it was listed, and there was no practice as a player's day off. So it's really five days off in a row. So there should be no reason, and I mean no reason, why these guys are, are worn down. I mean, none. None. So I don't want to hear anything about being tired. Uh, It's 100 degrees out, so it's probably a good thing that they didn't practice. But it's going to be 100 degrees tomorrow, or 98, or whatever the hell it's going to be. And on Thursday, I guess it's supposed to cool off a little bit on Friday and only be like 90 or 91 from what I saw. But, uh, I mean, that's going to be a hard adjustment. You know, and they're going to have to watch cramps, muscles, this, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, Hoffman knows more about that. Dr. Craig's coming up at 4 o'clock. He'll be able to take you through all that and concerns. But, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. You're gonna, I mean, it's going to be rip-roaring hot out. So they're going to have to make sure that guys don't get dehydrated, that guys don't cramp up, um, and that you don't lose somebody, potentially, by going too hard after, again, having – some time off to recharge. Again, good, bad. I probably tend to skew towards eh, a five-day break at this time is a little bit more than I would like. And maybe I'm worried about nothing, but that's just the way I see it. I could be wrong. Uh, as as we predicted, Ron was, I mean, first question, John Kime. Hey, any update on uh, Chase Young? Uh, well, uh, we don't have to uh, say anything about it until tomorrow. And it's true. They don't. You know, I, John didn't ask if if Chase was going to play. He asked if he had seen the surgeon or the, 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 second, the, the second specialist. I mean, you know, again, this is why I go crazy when Ron says something stupid, which he says on a quite regular basis. And I love Ron. So I feel like I can also say this. I, I like Ron. But he says some stupid things, as we all know. Ron is really, 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 really good at saying nothing when he wants to say nothing. He's really good at that. He's really good at giving you absolutely nothing. There was no way. John's not asking for a practice update. He's asking, hey, has he seen the the specialist? Because you know what's going to happen? The medical or the injury report tomorrow is not going to say whether Chase Young saw the specialist. So Ron's going to be asked about it again. I know he was limited, or I know he didn't practice, or I know he wasn't out there. Did he see the specialist? So tomorrow he's going to tell us whether he saw the specialist or not? Ron could have jumped a shark here a little bit and just said, yeah, he's seen the specialist. We'll see if he can you know, be out there at practice tomorrow. Uh, we'll have more information for you guys tomorrow. But he did see the specialist. And said Ron, 
But, I mean, if you asked Ron about the uh, the difference between uh, the, the Eagles and, and the Cowboys and the uh, – uh, and the Giants, uh, you know, he he drop a couple f bombs to Albert Breer and go on a four thousand word soliloquy. Or if you asked him about, uh, you know, EB being too tough, he'd have no problem throwing EB under the bus. Ask him about whether Chase Young is seeing a specialist or not. It's like uh, Fort Knox around here. Nope, not happening. No chance. I ain't giving you guys anything. We don't have to do anything. And, of course, he, maybe he's playing a little gamesmanship with, uh, what's his name out there, Jonathan Gagnon, who's, you know, not naming a starting quarterback. I think it'll be Josh Dobbs. I mean, his offensive coordinator was with Dobbs last year in Cleveland. Dobbs just got there a week and a half ago, but he knows the system. He knows the coach. He knows the terminology. He was his quarterback's coach. You know, I know Dobbs played against the Commanders already this preseason in Cleveland before the trade. I don't know if that does anything for him or not, but I think it'll be Josh Dobbs over Clayton Toon. A fifth-round rookie. Oh, fifth-round rookie. You can't start those guys. Except when they were drafted a year before, which the Commanders are going to do. All right, time for a trending alert right here, right now on the team. 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. All right, let's start you off with some U.S. Open quarterfinal action sizzling on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, Tuesday afternoon, rather, uh, in Flushing Meadows up in New York at Arthur Ashe Stadium. And right now, the two-seat on the men's side, Novak Djokovic, up 6-1, and just about to start the third set against ninth seed and American Taylor Fritz. Meanwhile, uh, on the ladies' side earlier today, it was Coco Goff advancing to the semifinals in straight sets uh, with a 6-love, six 6-2 six victory. Again, Djokovic and Fritz going at it right now. Francis Tiafo uh, going to uh, take on Shelton coming up later on tonight. That match scheduled in Queens to start at 8.30. New top 25 out. Maryland still not in it despite their opening season or season opening victory. But Deion Sanders and Colorado have moved into the top 25 at number 22 after their impressive back-and-forth road win against TCU on Saturday. And 21 and number 21 is Duke after their blowout win over Clemson, who drops all the way to Number 25, Georgia still at number one, Michigan at number two in Alabama at number three with Florida State at four. And that's what's trending. All right, we continue our tribute to the great late Jimmy Buffett. Right here on the Team 980. As well, we did a little smash mouth earlier with Steve Harwell uh, passing away over the weekend. Um, So, you know, just, uh, of course, people unfortunately pass away all the time. Uh, Just because you're a famous celebrity, what have you, doesn't mean that you're any different per se, but... Of course, people know these gentlemen based on the wonderful music that they created. And, you know, it's all part of our lives. And, you know, I know when when Glenn Fry of the Eagles passed away six years ago or whatever it was, I remember being on the other side of this building 
on the air at 106.7 The Fan. And it was like Martin Luther King Day or President's Day, one of those two. It was cold as you know what out. And I just remember, I mean, it just hit me like a cement, tro- you know, like a, a, a cement brick. I mean, it just, I, I mean, it just hits you weird, right? Even though you don't know these people. You know, especially musicians for me. Like, I don't care about movies and all. I just, you know, not a big movie guy. I mean, I'll watch an occasional movie. It just, it just doesn't. But music is like kind of the, you know, the soundtrack of your lives. Many of us, right? I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's Americana. It's part of what we are. And in ways, Jimmy Buffett, you know, and as I mentioned, you know, again, Steve Harwell with Smash Mouth. You know, that song, everybody knows. And they had more songs than that. And Jimmy Buffett had plenty of hits. And the Cheeseburger in Paradise restaurant and Margaritaville and, you know, all that. I could go for a good margarita right now. I can't believe I didn't uh, have a margarita this weekend. Tip one back uh, for uh, Jimmy. Uh, it's a fail on my end. For damn sure. That is a fail and then some. All right. Um, let's get to three up, three down. Uh, Matt has left us, and that means Anthony is here. A little bit early. Uh, out of the bullpen. We're calling on the fire-throwing left-hander to get us going. Three up, three down. It's time for three up, three down on the Team 980. You know who could have used a fire-throwing left-hander this weekend? Ah, the Nationals. That's not one, not two, not three, not four, but five awful, disgusting, putrid, ridiculous, insane losses in a row. The starting pitching has been dreadful. The relief pitching has not been much better. The base running, the fielding, C.J. Abrams with a bad throw in the ninth inning the other day. To give the Marlins the lead that they would not relinquish in a 6-4 win. That was after an 11-5 loss on Saturday, an 8-5 loss on Friday, a 6-1 loss on Thursday, all to the fish, and a 7-0 loss after really one of the best wins of the year Tuesday night in Toronto. You played balls-to-the-wall baseball Tuesday night in Toronto, and since then... And I, maybe it's due. I mean, Stone Garrett has been a big loss for them and an underrated loss. I think our guys at Talk Nats had uh, a bunch of really good numbers. I know I looked at them and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but they are a very, very different statistical team with and without Stone Garrett. It shouldn't be that way, but the numbers, the raw numbers through you know almost two weeks... And whatever they were before he came up, tell us a different story. Again, the Marlins are a good team. They're 70 and 60. Uh, good. They're, you know, I, I mean, they're better than you think. I saw a number on them that they got past the 70 win mark. I don't know if I saw this wrong, but supposedly they got past the 70 win mark for the first time since, like, 2018 the other day. And they're right at 70. They've won four in a row. You know, I mean, listen, 
They're not great by any stretch, but this stretch and a four-game sweep and a 7-0 and record at Nationals Park this year uh, tells you that, A, they continue to be a pain in the ass, B, that they're better than, again, maybe even their record indicates, and C, still how far the Nationals have to go. Uh, again, they did not play good fundamental baseball. Josiah Gray cannot do what Josiah Gray did the other day, which is basically bark at his center fielder who just got called up like a week ago for losing the ball in a soaring here sun in deep left center field. And then he walks two guys with the bases loaded. Hey, Josiah Gray. No offense. You can be frustrated all you want. And I know he apologized for it, said he can't do that, whatever. In the moment, not only can you not do that, but you haven't been good enough since the All-Star break. Josiah Gray has not been good enough, period. Not even, never mind good enough. He hadn't been good. He hadn't been good. He was awful in August. Don't do that, man. You know, it's one thing, you know, we, I I mean, listen, I rib guys I work with all the time, right? You can't show up. Your rookie center fielder because he lost, I mean, it was beyond clear that he lost the ball in the sun. It was beyond clear. It was not an effort. It was not an execution thing. Dude, that place is a sun monster and then some. It is really hard to see. Bad job by Josiah Gray on the mound, physically, and showing up his teammate. Bad, 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 bad. Now the Nationals try and snap that five-game slide. Patrick Corbin on the bump. He was awful in Toronto last Wednesday afternoon. Listen, the only good thing right now about the Nationals, at least during this five-game stretch, is Lane Thomas, who missed a game the other night because of back spasms, came back, and he's just killing it again. And, man, did he hit an absolute monster shot that almost hit the 106-7 red box on the fly on Sunday in the first inning off of a high inside four-seamer. Woo! 23 home runs, 76 RBI. I'm sorry, 23 home runs, 74 RBI for the lane train as the Nationals have to try and snap this uh, slide here against the Mets tonight, 7.05. Again, first pitch, 106.7. The Nationals Radio Network and the Odyssey app. All right. The new college football top 25 poll is out. We told you Duke in at 21, Colorado in at 22, FSU up to number four, no Maryland. And this was after the first full, 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 full weekend of college football. Let me tell you something. I watched a lot of it. I didn't watch every single snap. I mean, Drake May made one of the craziest throws you're ever going to see against a big-time blitz. Did a nice job with slide protection, all that. I know some people were pointing that out. You know, it's a great play because it worked. It's a terrible play if he gets intercepted. It's a terrible play. The the difference between what is considered great and terrible is probably less than, you know, way less than it used to be. But that's a guy, a guy that a lot of people are zoning in on as a top three pick in the draft. He was good against South Carolina. I'm not, you know, criticizing him. Just pointing out that the margin between good and bad is so little 
at this point because that could have been a disaster. Speaking of disasters, how about LSU, everybody? How about Clemson, everybody? How about Baylor losing at home to, like, I don't know, the North Texas Sisters of the Poor? How about Purdue losing at home, everybody? Here, Fresno State, come take our money. Come and beat our asses. How about Boston College? They lost at home, although their quarterback made one hell of a play. If you haven't seen that highlight yet. Weekend in college football was awesome. Games Friday night, Saturday all day, Saturday night, of course, Sunday all day. Oh, how about Northwestern? Go figure. After the summer they had, they got whacked by Rutgers and Greg Schiano. Oh, and DJ Ukulele. All right, maybe that's not his name. I want to call him DJ Ukulele all the time, though. Ungi Ogi Ayelele. Look, the part for Oregon State. The Beebs. One of the remaining Pac-2. I love it. Hey, oh, the Pac-12 is going to be great. It's not the Pac-12 anymore. It's the Pac-2. There's two teams left standing. Two. But DJ Ugalele, whatever his name is, looked very good against uh, the fighting Sky Kirstein, San Jose Spartans, San Jose State Spartans. And then, uh, of course, Florida State whooping up on Ella. I, I, I love seeing Brian Kelly get his ass kicked. I don't know about you guys. I love Brian Kelly getting his ass kicked. I love me some Brian Kelly getting his ass kicked. Maybe it's because of that stupid little video thing when he took over down there of him dancing in some technotronic room. I don't know why. I just love seeing Brian Kelly get his ass kicked. And that's what Florida State did after kind of struggling a little bit on offense in the first half. Boy, did they get it together and pull away. All right, that is story number two on our three up, three down. And just wrapping it up, we mentioned during the trending alerts, Coco Golf off to the semifinals of the U.S. Open on the women's side with a straight set victory over the 20-seed 6-love, 6-2 earlier today. So good for Coco, the sixth seed on the America uh, for the Americans on the ladies' side. Right now, we mentioned Novak Djokovic and uh, Todd Fritz playing the third set. It's now 2-2, and Djokovic up two sets to love looking, obviously, for the three-set sweep. Uh, if he can win this particular one, we'll be uh, wrapping up a little bit early, and he'll be advancing to the semifinals uh, of the U.S. Open. Coming up later on today, it is Hyattsville, Maryland's Francis Tiafo in action against Rinky. Oh, no, 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 no. Against, uh, I'm sorry, Ben Shelton. I was looking at the uh, wrong box score. Ben Shelton. And Carlos Alcarez is also playing at the same time tonight as we try and sort out the quarterfinals on the men's and women's side. And that's three up, three down on a... Back to work Tuesday in the nation's capital and beyond. Coming back with Dumb Dumb of the Day to wrap it all up. Before, Craig Hoffman right here on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. Oh, one last tribute to the great Jimmy Buffett. 
Alan Jackson contributing on this. And also the way the legendary Coach John Thompson and crew, which included our own Doc Walker and uh, Al Koken at times and old Chuck Sapienza and uh, who else was on that show? I can't even remember. CJ? Oh, yeah, CJ, too. Um, they used to end that their show like that. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. And baby, it's almost 4 o'clock here in the East, but it is 5 o'clock somewhere. Or at least it will be in just a couple of moments. But now we have time for Dum Dum of the Day. And, uh, well, this is a crappy situation if I've ever seen one myself. It's time for Dum Dum of the Day. So imagine being on a transatlantic flight from Atlanta to Barcelona. That's right. As in Barcelona and Spain. And imagine being about two hours into the flight and all of a sudden they announce, uh, 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 we got to turn this thing around because uh, 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 um, somebody has diarrhea and it's all through the plane. Yeah. That's what happened. The Airbus A350 was two hours, two hours from Atlanta to Spain, two hours into the flight, and they had to turn around and make an emergency landing back in Atlanta. Why? Because, again, someone, quote, and I've heard the audio, had diarrhea all the way through the plane. Now, listen, diarrhea is not something to joke about. Uh, I I mean, obviously, there are health issues, and they called it a biohazard issue. Okay, in the audio that I just heard off of uh, LiveATC.com, they said, we've had a passenger who had diarrhea all the way through the airplane, so they want us to come back to Atlanta. Here's my question. Like, how do you, like, if you have diarrhea, right? I got a real thing. How do you have diarrhea all through the plane? I guess I, I guess you have diarrhea, and then you run to the bathroom? How about running to the bathroom before you have diarrhea all through the plane? I mean, is that possible? I mean, listen, I've had some things go wrong in my life. I mean, I've been in some pain. But I don't know if I've had diarrhea, like, trill from my seat to the bathroom on a crowded airplane. Could you imagine... Having, like, the vacation of a lifetime planned. Man, I'm going to Barcelona. I'm going from Atlanta. I'm two hours over the Atlantic. We're heading there. What is it? Like a five-hour flight, four-hour flight? I don't know what it is. And all of a sudden, you get involved in this crappy situation, and I mean crappy, and they have to turn the damn flight around. How is it not a biohazard issue just to continue on to Barcelona instead of having to turn two hours back and head back towards Atlanta. I don't know. Now, we don't know the identity of the passenger. Hopefully, we don't find that out. But the travelers were switched to another flight, but it didn't make it to Barcelona until the next day, eight hours later than scheduled. You want to talk about a, again, poopy situation. The life, the vacation of a lifetime. And someone rips ass all over the plane. And you have to have your vacation turned upside down. Damn.
That's not, that's not happening if you have a cheeseburger in paradise, I can tell you that much. All right, that is going to do it for us. Craig Hoffman coming up next. Thanks to Anthony for helping out. Thanks to Matt, who's on his way to the Bowie Bay Sox. Go check him out there. Back tomorrow in 100-degree heat and all at 1 o'clock. On the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app. Adios. Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum of the day.